meant to uh, be a time for us to feel ashamed or to feel guilty, uh, none of that. It is actually to release those things, to honestly examine our lives and name before God the places that are uh, constrained, that are uh, broken, that are hurting. That's what confession is really for. And so we come to God in confession. Uh, we are focusing right now in this season on generosity. We have a generous God who we just sang, he came to shine brighter in us. That is to make us even more generous. And so let us go to confession today, examining our lives in light of that call. Let us pray. Extravagantly generous God, your giving knows no measure and no end. And we confess that all too often we have kept our own hearts, our minds, and our hands firmly closed and have been anything but joyfully generous. In this silence, we name before you some of the fears that have kept us from knowing the freedom and the joy of generosity. Gracious God, we know that in Christ you have forgiven us. We ask now for the grace to receive that forgiveness so that we might transcend our fears and feel and think and act as those who are deeply rooted in the generous giving of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray and in whose way we long to follow. Amen. The psalmist puts our, that's not my phone doing that, is it? Jeez, okay, Joe, would you take care of that if it does? <laughs> I'm not sure I turned it off. The psalmist puts our pardon this way. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never end. They are new every morning. We just sang that. I love the way Susan Coolidge puts it in her poem, New Every Morning. Every day is a fresh beginning. Listen, my soul, to the glad refrain. In spite of old sorrow and older sinning, troubles forecasted or possible pain, take heart with the day and begin again. Begin again. God's mercies are new every morning. Receive your new start. Receive your forgiveness and be glad. Amen. 
So we are going to read the scripture and then dismiss our teenagers, our youth who are going to be with Marchant downstairs. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about this passage that you all will be talking about too. Uh, this is a foundational passage for your congregation. As we get closer and closer, I don't think it's a big secret that the search committee has been at it for quite a while and they are narrowing their field. And so obviously every day we get a little closer. Um, and as we do, I'm ever more aware, as I have been really in my whole time with you, of helping prepare you to receive your new pastor. And part of that preparation is remembering who you are. And so we're going to revisit again. This is one of the first verses that I ever preached on when I was in your midst because it is, in your own words, a defining, a foundational passage about who you are. And it is from the book of Acts. You might remember that um, Acts, was, uh, Acts and Luke, Luke are written by the same um, author. And um, in, in Acts, this passage comes right after Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit has descended on the people. Barriers have been broken down in terms of how they're communicating with each other. And this is a description of the early church. I have it here somewhere. So in the aftermath of being visited by the Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Here's the verse we're going to focus on today. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number the word of the Lord. We'll have our, our youth uh, dismiss. And while they are walking out, I want to talk still a little bit more about this, uh, about where this passage shows up. It's like the whole congregation leaves. Um, look at all those kids. I love it. So in your, um, basically your church resume, it's called a ministry information form. Um, it's what's been circulating among the pastors who are considering uh, and being considered. Here's what it says. The four rhythms of the Kairos community also derived from Acts 2, 42 through 47, we just read, are prayer, fellowship, the study of scripture, and extravagant generosity. Do you all know what the word extravagant means? I mean, it's your word. Exceeding the limits of reason. 
lacking in restraint, extremely or excessively elaborate. Here's some synonyms. Wasteful. Reckless. Careless. Squandering. Here's some better ones. <laughs> Bountiful. Open-handed. Open-hearted. Big-hearted. Unsparing. Free-handed. Free-hearted. Here's the thing. There is a fine line between faith and irresponsibility. And I know that when you say we want to live into the rhythm of extravagant generosity, you don't mean being irresponsible, but let me say it may go beyond reason, for love has its reason that reason knows not. But discerning where that line is is the work of the community. It is the work of you as an individual in prayer. The early church was characterized by extravagant generosity. Glad and generous hearts. Now, let me just, this is a whole nother sermon, but I do want to just say something because I'm going to talk about extravagant giving, extravagant generosity, and, and not about money, by the way. I'm talking about a different kind of generosity. I'm talking about generosity of spirit and heart, which may include money, but that's not what we're talking about. Some of you don't need to hear this message in the way that you will hear it because you're already overgiving of yourself. The characteristic of the early church was that they had glad and generous hearts. You can give and not be generous. That kind of giving comes from fear, obligation, guilt, from trying to prop up some kind of image of yourself. And oftentimes the telltale signs that you are giving but not being generous is that you are resentful and or completely exhausted and depleted. I'm familiar with that because I've done it. But you see, what the early church was known for was glad and generous hearts. The telltale sign of true generosity is joyful giving, joyful generosity. So again, I just want to say, I'm going to focus on extravagant generosity, but I want you to hear that because what I don't want is for some of you who are already completely depleted to go home and think, I should do more. That's not it. This passage about the early church should catch in our throats. It should give us pause. In my mind, it's right up there with the passage where Jesus says, I did not bring peace, but a sword. What? 
These things are in the Bible. I mean, it says they all sold their possessions. And they had everything in common. So for those of us who take the Bible seriously, what does that mean? This is why we don't take the Bible as a code of conduct. We're asking ourselves, what does this tell us about the identity and the mission of the people of God? Now, is that an easy way out? Let me just say, some people do discern that they are called to share all their possessions. There's a movement called the New Monastics. Young people who are moving in together and sharing things and sharing expenses and, and following Jesus in that way. So that's a, one way to do it. Some, some scholars like to say, oh, well, this really, the church was never really like this. This is some idealized version that never really happened. Others say, hey, you know, maybe they did, but eight chapters later, they got a call on the Antioch church to bail them out financially. So we can get stuck on all that, or we can ask ourselves, what is the identity and the mission here? And here's what, here's what it is. They were known for glad and generous hearts. Extravagant generosity. There was a, a political figure, I can't, I, I don't want to look for it now, but he, he, uh, Julian, I think, who, who said in one of his criticisms of those Galileans who were following Jesus was that they were not only taking care of their own poor, they were taking care of the state's poor. That's how generous they were. Glad and generous hearts. They were walking in the way of Jesus, who was extravagant in his generous healing, in his touching the untouchables and loving the unlovables, and healing the sick, and being present with people, and inviting in those who other people had cast out. Generous, generous of spirit. God is a generous God, and we are made in that image. So what does it mean to practice being extravagantly generous? Because that's what we're talking about right now, practicing generosity. Well, it doesn't mean just deciding you're going to give. Because generosity begins within. It begins in the heart. Generous of heart. It's very interesting to me. I had so much, I went down so many rabbit holes this week. The word generosity really isn't, there isn't one consistent word. Okay, so if you go to an uh, English concordance and you type in, show me all the instances of generosity or generous. You'll get a bunch of verses in one translation, a bunch in another. They won't all be the same because it's a lot of different words for generous. There isn't one consistent word. It's words like sometimes blessing. The same word that's translated blessing is sometimes translated generous. The translators kind of figure those things out. But it's so interesting to me. I mean, I, I really, I, I kept going on and on about this in my head. So, for example, blessed is the Lord. Generous is the Lord. 
Bless and do not curse your enemies. Be generous with them. Be generous. So here's the thing. Miriam did such a beautiful job last week of reminding us that generosity begins with receiving. It begins with receiving in gratitude. All that we have and all that we are is a gift. And so generosity, the first step in generosity begins within in knowing that. Gratitude is what gives birth to generosity. And gratitude is received in humility and vulnerability. And it gives birth to generosity and joy. But there's something that happens inside of us in between the receiving and then the outflowing of that mercy, grace, resources, whatever it is, and that is we start to hold tight because we want to feel secure. Do, do a favor, hold your hands, clench your fist as hard as you can, as hard as you can, hold, 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 hold. Let go. Do you feel that? Do you feel that release of letting go? It's a freedom. That's what generosity feels like. True generosity, not just giving. Let's, I want to show you this. This is a, maybe you've heard this illustration, but I think this little um, clip is really, uh, really telling. This is how years ago, I had a little bit of issue around like, is this mean to the monkey? But um, this is a clip, as you can see, very old, of how they catch monkeys. Have, or some of you may be familiar with this. Um, so let's just take a look at it. So he's put food in the coconut. Do you know why he can't get out? His fist is still clenched. All he would have to do is let go, and he could be free. Generosity is born of that freedom. So I want to ask you, I want to get you to think with me for a minute, for a few minutes. Can you think of someone who has that kind of freedom, who isn't bound to holding on to things for security, but just has a, a freedom about them that gives them what you might call a generous spirit? Do you have someone in your mind like that? All right. Chances are good that what allows them to be generous in spirit is not only that they have received grace, forgiveness, 
life as a gift, but that they have stopped holding on to those things for their security. So who did you have in mind? Don't tell me their name. Just tell me what were some of their characteristics. What, what makes a person generous in spirit? What, what, what are those things? Selfless? Selfless. Say it. They're giving. Loving. Sharing God, sharing, sharing time. Joyful. Intentional. Okay, willing to be inconvenienced. Not hurried. They have a margin, okay, they have a margin in their life. Okay, well, I think he, he's not talking about um, a margin like a limit. He's saying there's, there's space around their life. You're saying they have, seem to have a limitlessness, okay? So what do you think a person has to let go of in order to be that kind of person, that person who is loving? What kinds of fears? Okay, so you have to let go of the possessiveness. Yeah, is that a big one for this crowd? Controlling outcomes? Any, anybody? <laughs> I see my friend Julie's raising her hand. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we are just like that monkey. We just want to control the outcome so bad, and then we're, we've worked our way all around. We're just, and we are not free. We are not free even to see who's around, what those needs are, what we could give if we weren't so focused on trying to control the outcome. People who are generous of spirit, another way of saying it is they're emotionally generous. Generous of heart, the, the heart in the Old Testament, I mean in the Old Testament and New Testament, really was your mind, your will, all of it, your feelings. So people who are emotionally generous are open-minded. They have to let go of being defensive of their point of view. They sometimes let go of their own comfort in order to be selfless. Let me tell you, uh, let me ask you one, one, other, one quick thing. What about emotionally generous people who are affirming, who just go out of their way to, to speak a truth into your life? You're really good at that. Hey, that was, that was really helpful to me. What do you have to let go of in order to be that kind of generous? Competition? Pride, a quid pro quo, like, yeah, it's not a transaction. You know, also the fear of rejection. People might think you're going overboard, whatever the way, the fear of what people might think. I just want you guys to think this week about this. Generosity begins within. It begins with receiving with gratitude, but not grasping. 
whether it's forgiveness, grace, hospitality, blessing, it's all to flow through, not the holding on. So my challenge to you this week is to just pay attention. When you find yourself um, defensive, just ask yourself, what do I need to let go of right now to be more generous emotionally, spiritually? If you find yourself activated in anger or resentment, just ask, what am I holding? How am I like a little monkey? What do I need to let go of in order to be free enough to be generous of heart with those around me? Because that's where generosity begins, within. Before we go to our offering, I want to ask you to turn to one another and first of all, I want to ask you this, to think about a time when you were new to a school, to a job, to a community, to a neighborhood. What that was like, and was anybody generous in welcoming you? What did they do? Now, you're getting ready to welcome a new pastor sometime in the future. I just want you to turn to some people around you and talk about what, what would it mean for you to be a community together. I know some of you aren't members here, but just talk about what is it like to be a community who welcomes a new leader? What are the things, what are the acts of generosity of heart that we together can commit to? So just talk about that for a little bit.
going to invite Margaret Grice to come forward, an elder here who will, um, so you, uh, while you're wrapping up your conversations, uh, Margaret is going to do our call to give and our offering prayer. Yeah. <laughs> 